Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I'm joined by John Paul Farmer, the Chief Innovation Officer and President of WeLink Cities, and the former Chief Technology Officer of the City of New York. We discuss more about the fixed wireless provider WeLink and the role it's playing in closing the digital divide. And we also talk more about WeLink's new Cities Challenge, which is a $100 million effort to partner with interested cities on rapid broadband deployments. John Paul, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So um, just to start off, I would love for you to give us some background on WeLink, uh, where it's providing service, and a bit about your pretty new role there. You bet. Uh, WeLink is an incredibly exciting, innovative, disruptive, millimeter wave broadband technology company. Uh, It's been around for four years, uh, but I've only been a part of it for the last few months. And I joined WeLink to bring this breakthrough technology that can provide multi-gigabit symmetric speeds to dense urban environments around the country. We know that the digital divide is something that isn't just a rural phenomenon. It exists in cities too. And in cities so often it's an issue of affordability. Uh, There's a lot of work happening and actually even in my prior role as Chief Technology Officer of New York City, I spent a lot of time working on the digital divide and, and identifying new and innovative solutions to address it. The reality is a lot of those solutions have compromises associated with them. So in order to present a, uh, an internet service option that is affordable to the people who've been left behind, uh, often those end up being lower quality. Uh, the speeds just aren't the same. When we're talking about fixed wireless, a lot of times it's just inherently limited by the physics. What's so exciting about WeLink's approach to wireless is that it's creating a dense mesh Uh, that is quick to deploy, has all the advantages of of fixed wireless, quick to deploy, radically lower cost than laying fiber and digging up streets. But in our case, we can actually deliver fiber-like performance. And so that combination, that value of the best performance at uh, quicker to deploy, lower price points. Um, And then when you layer on the subsidy programs that are now available through the federal government, through the Affordable Connectivity Program, it really is a game changer and enables us to go into markets in an entirely different way, to go into the neighborhoods that are most in need, the neighborhoods that have historically been overlooked and under-resourced, and to start there. And that's what really differentiates us and makes us uh, a brand new, uh, again, breakthrough option that, that everyone needs to be aware of. Just to, to elaborate a little bit more on that, you know, you, I think you emphasize how you're a little bit different as a fixed wireless provider, but does that differ you from you know Verizon and T-Mobile, what they're offering with fixed wireless or even a smaller one like Starry? Well, I first of all, I want to point out that uh, I think options are good. I think competition is good. So I think it's a wonderful thing that more and more companies are investing in the space uh, to identify mm-hmm. what works. Uh, and the great news is that what we are doing, uh, which is uh, higher frequency than uh, what the mm-hmm. some peers are doing, um, and is a mesh architecture as opposed to hub and spoke. Um, those are a few of the fundamental differences. And what it enables us to do is, is to create a dense mesh that actually maintains its performance as it densifies, which has often been a, a challenge with other approaches to mesh. Um, and also to maintain uh, our performance through a number of hops, through dozens of hops, uh, as opposed to degradation, which also is something that 
uh, others have run into at times. So these breakthroughs, uh, I cannot claim credit for. This is really the work of Kevin Ross, the founder and CEO of WeLink, and the team that's been doing this work for the last four years. Uh, and what I'm excited about is bringing uh, these breakthroughs that they've produced to more and more people in American cities. So, yeah, so let's talk about some of those cities um, where you're already active or where you're going to be active. Um, and it's it sounds to me like WeLink's role in addressing the digital divide is really more about affordability um, than access, uh, but perhaps it fits both of those buckets. So I'd love for you to speak to the digital divide from WeLink's perspective and um, a bit tell me a bit more about where you guys are best placed to, to solve the problem of the digital divide. Absolutely. We see ourselves as a key tool in the toolkit. And uh, it's important to be honest about where we're not an appropriate tool. And that's going to be in in rural areas, places that are sparsely populated, where you would have to have so many radios because of the uh, propagation characteristics of millimeter wave, that it just wouldn't be economical to do it. That way, there are other approaches that are going to make more sense, like like laying fiber or even in some cases, satellite. Um, But when you get into urban or even suburban areas, suddenly what we do really makes a lot of sense and is an important piece of the puzzle. We are currently operational in uh, Phoenix, in Las Vegas, in Tucson. We just announced this week, uh, just a few days ago, that uh, we are going into the Washington, D.C. metro area. We made that announcement with Mayor Bowser herself. And Washington, D.C. is very excited to um, make their municipally owned buildings open access to allow companies like ours that are offering uh, something that's just a great value for their residents that creates competition uh, and, and does so without compromise. It's not about checking the box and giving the folks most in need something that is a lesser product, but actually giving them the best product on the market. Um, so DC has chosen to make their facilities available to the industry to help do that. And we're very proud to be the first provider that they've selected to work with them on that. We see that as a model that can work in other places too. And that's why we have just announced the Wheeling Cities Challenge, which is a $100 million challenge. We're taking uh, a large portion of the dollars that we have raised in private capital, and we're putting them on the table to ask cities around the country um, what their plans are, what their communities that they need to prioritize uh, locally are, and to see if we're a good fit. And if we are, we want to go in and, and rapidly deploy in partnership with these cities. So again, not just going into the neighborhoods that are the wealthiest and have received plenty of investment and might have more options already, but going into the neighborhoods most in need to begin with, and then growing organically from there. So tell me a bit more about this. How do cities actually participate in it? How many cities are you hoping will participate? How far does that, um, what did you say, a million or uh, 100 million. A million or 100 million? 100 up to, million. Yeah, okay. Up to 100 million. Yeah, it's a big, so it's, it's, uh, slight it's difference. I just wanted to make sure I got that right. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a, it's yeah, a so decent a amount of money that can actually make a difference. Um, so sure. we'll, be invest, we'll be investing this after reviewing the, uh, the, the applicants that come in, but we also are not trying to waste anyone's time. We're trying to turn this around quickly. We're also committing to give feedback to those who respond, who for whatever reason uh, don't ultimately get selected. That could be for reasons like density. You know, uh, we know that um, over 600 buildings per square mile is something of a threshold that we're looking for. We know that uh, something with greater than 45% tree cover, uh, tree canopy, uh, creates some challenges to getting line of sight to the different uh, uh, neighborhoods. So there are a variety of reasons that someone might not be a great fit, but we've committed to being very transparent and letting folks know uh, if indeed that's the case. But for the ones that do get selected, 
Then we'll be working with them to design how we deploy uh, this fall. So uh, that is uh, just a huge priority for us as a company, for me personally. Uh, it's one of the, the things that I joined the company to do. And for anyone out there who'd like to learn more or express interest, you can go to cities.welink.com. That's cities.welink.com. And there's an opportunity to learn uh, more about the challenge and to fill out a very simple form that takes no more than five minutes to express initial interest. And then during the month of July, we'll be fleshing out more formal applications. Okay, awesome. And, you know, you're, you guys are putting up uh, a significant amount of money, but do you see an opportunity for cities to bring some of this um, federal funding to a partnership with you all to, to, to really expand what we can do in some of these cities? We timed the announcement uh, right around the NOFOs for a reason. And, and that's, <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> and that's because there are often matching requirements on uh, federal and state grants. And we'd like to help cities. We'd like to be a part of that. So if we invest our private capital in a way that allows them to unlock uh, governmental investment as well, uh, we see that as a win-win. As uh, so we'd like to, uh, to have that be an option for the cities that we end up working with. And in D.C., um, you mentioned that they're leveraging their municipal buildings. Um, is that something you're looking for in this process? Like uh, if cities have dark fiber assets or, you know, buildings that are not in use or, or other things that uh, cities might have at their disposal that could help expand broadband access. Is that what you're looking for as well? We certainly are. So whether it be okay. fiber, uh, where we can work with commercial fiber providers we can work with municipal fiber providers uh, to be our jumping off points into neighborhoods where we then create the, the mesh coverage. The other thing that's important to think about when you consider the mesh, mesh coverage is that we do need a number of locations um, throughout a community, throughout a neighborhood. And when we have real estate options on the table that are government owned, that uh, we, can, we can simply um, design more quickly how we deploy that mesh, what it looks like, what its footprint looks like. And so there, there are some real advantages in terms of um, timing and certainty and just the ability to deploy quickly that governments that, that are willing to put their assets on the table uh, can provide. Okay. And um, just federally speaking, I'm just wondering if there's anything at the policy level that would help you guys do what you're trying to do um, faster or easier. Um, anything the FCC can do with spectrum policy, or if there's anything, you know, I know the, the NOFO is written to favor favor, favor fiber. <laughs> um, uh, is that something you're concerned about or, or do you see opportunities for WeLink in all of that as well? Well, a couple things to note. One, we uh, do not dislike fiber. In fact, it's wonderful to have fiber where it's economical. And that's the key thing yeah. is that uh, when, you, when you step back and look at things, um, as I did in New York City, there are parts of New York City where it's very economical to put in fiber. Um, there are places where there is no conduit and you'd be tearing up streets and it'd be 20 times more expensive to put in fiber uh, in a certain borough in, in Brooklyn, for example, versus Manhattan. And um, those are just the historical facts because of the investments that have been made previously. Uh, and so what we would like to see is for fiber investments to be made where they make sense, because ultimately we all rely on fiber at some, at some point. What we can do, what WeLink's technology does is it extends fiber wirelessly and it does it without losing the performance, which is, which is what's key and, and different and really uh, so innovative. So we see ourselves as very complementary to the fiber investments uh, that will be made, that are being made today, but also a way to make those dollars have much higher impact, greater impact. We've, we've done some studies 
showing that depending on the built environment, uh, deploying WeLink's wireless solution to pass a home is anywhere between 120th and 150th the cost of deploying fiber. And so still getting gigabit and multi-gigabit speeds, but doing so at a fraction of the cost and helping stretch those dollars much, much further. And so we hope as uh, the federal government, as state governments think about how they want to define the investments that they make, that they do it in a way where they really define the performance and the outcome they're looking for uh, and not necessarily the uh, suite of technologies they're used to get there. Got it. Um, and just one final question for you. We're uh, sitting here in New York City, right across town from each other. Um, and you worked uh, you worked in the in the mayor's office last last mayor. Um, so what did you learn about the digital divide and broadband access from your time um, in New York City that you're bringing to your current work at WeLink? You know, we put out the New York City Internet Master Plan in January of 2020. And at the time, mm -hmm. we had to try to convince people that this issue really, really mattered and was worth their time and attention, worth them spending political capital on. Just two months later, New York became the epicenter, at least in North America, for the pandemic. And we immediately saw just how critical this is to kids being able to learn, to people being able to do their jobs safely from home, uh, to seniors being able to get healthcare through telemedicine. And suddenly all of the questions went away. But the one big question that remained was, okay, how do we do this? How? It's such a big problem. It's so hard. And it's built upon decades of underinvestment uh, in, in solving this uh, problem. And um, that's where I think we have to have uh, public-private collaboration. No one sector has all of the solutions. No one technology in and of itself will solve the problems everywhere. And that's where I think that WeLink and our wireless approach um, is just a critical piece of the puzzle. And we want to make sure that everyone understands uh, that we're here to work with cities across the country um, as, as they do this work. Because now that we are all, all in agreement that the status quo cannot continue, that the digital divide cannot persist, um, I think we've got a big question in front of us, which is that as we solve it, how much does it cost us to solve it? How long does it take us to solve it? And as we solve this digital divide, are we simply creating a new one? Are we creating a world in which the wealthiest households and neighborhoods get multi-gigabit and uh, lower income households and neighborhoods, households and neighborhoods of color, immigrant communities, do they get something that's perhaps 50 or 100 megabit? And as new applications are developed in the years to come, that difference is really going to matter. And what I hope we can do is actually accelerate to a future in which everybody is future-proof, everybody has the best broadband that we can offer. Awesome. Well, uh, WeLink is lucky to have you. New York is sad to, to lose you, um, although you're still here with us. And hopefully we can get Mayor Adams to, to get in on the city's challenge. Um, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I'll be keeping up with uh, everything you all are doing. Thanks so much, Nicole. Thank you, John Paul, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landrau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.